Hey, what's up? Welcome to Golf Lovers United, where we discuss golf the fair way. Today, we are going to discuss that fascinating tour championship victory. We're going to discuss the European Tour, but how can we get through an episode this week without those Ryder Cup picks? We are now only a couple of weeks away from the 2023 Cup, and the teams are set. So we're going to dive in to all things Ryder Cup later this episode. It's sure to be a fascinating discussion. I'm sure that my good friends Ben at Golf Love UK and Jay at Pro Golf Critic will have plenty to say on the matter. I'm Mark at Golf Dad UK and this, as I said, is Golf Lovers United. If you enjoy the show, if you enjoyed our session with Jerry Foltz last week, you can check it out or even tell your friends about it at glugc.com and we're available in all of your podcast apps. So without further ado, Ben, Jay, how are we doing guys? We all good? I'm good. Good. Are you sure? I w- I always say if I'm alive, that's a great start. Well, that is a good start. That is a good... Although some of the trolls on Twitter, they'll probably disagree. They'll disagree with fucking everything, mate. Won't they? (laughs) They do. They do. (laughs) I saw one one troll saying that... um, I said something along the lines of... um, I had an unfair take on the PGA Tour... um, tour, The event for the Tour Championship, the BMW. I thought, did I? So I went back and listened to it. I said about three minutes on it of which everything was overwhelmingly positive i was like i don't know what more i can do um i do want to talk about the pga tour believe it or not because i love it as well we went through the tour championship uh it was a bit of a finisher wasn't it it was was a a few fireworks there that i'm not sure anyone fully expected so ben victor hovland tour championship fedex cup what do you make of it all because it's been it's been a big ride for victor this last couple of months I think the big thing with Victor that golf fans will have noticed is his improvement in his short game. Um, it's gone from being a weakness for him to actually being really quite a strength, not through the whole season, but as the season's progressed, he's always been an elite ball striker. He's always been elite off the tee. He's always, he's always rolled the ball really well. But that short game, that nippy wedge, that little flop shot, that whatever, hasn't always been his most reliable. Like, I, I remember it was maybe US Open when um, Ram won at Torrey Pines, I think. It was when Hovland was right up there and then he bladed a wedge through into the crap and then duffed a wedge out of the crap and then hit a wedge and he went from being, I think, second or third and two back to being five back with like six to play, something like that. Um, I, I can't wait for someone to point out how wrong I was. But the premise being, he was right at the top of an event and it, it let him down. And it's happened a few times, but of late, his short game's been really impressive. And there's actually a video put out by by um, by Victor and by Ping. He did this club fitting um, and had a, it was a club fitting slash lesson. So what, what, something akin to the two and they were filming it and he's talking about slapping the um bounce into the ground and having the confidence to slap the bounce into the ground and with the new wedges he got and it was, it was amazing because he's got that infectious laugh and smile that giddy young man's laugh and smile that is just so great to see he's not wizened and bitter like us three um and how he hits that and that that i think has been the major thing so victor well done absolutely fantastic victory um won it at a canter like he 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 won it by five shots when second place shot eight under 
in the final round, which is Anders Shoffley, who's, who's playing some fantastic golf. Honourable mention to Wyndham Clark, who's finished off a really good season with a great third place finish. Rory McIlroy, fantastic finish in, in, in fourth place when he was carrying a back injury. I did laugh, and I, I know people get at Rory and I can at times, but I did laugh when um, someone said Rory McIlroy was struggling to swing it with a, with a dodgy back. I don't know many of my friends over the age of 35 who don't have a bad back when they swing it. So I was like, well, welcome to fatherhood and welcome to your late 30s, Rory. It's it's going to bite you in the ass. It's, it's not going to get much better. He is an elite athlete, but back injuries can be a, can be a thing. And there was a couple of things, obviously we'll talk about Ryder Cup in a minute and about selections. I'll defend the JT selection. I do think Keegan Bradley got stiffed. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying he didn't. But um, I don't think it helped Keegan Bradley shooting three over on that last day. If Keegan Bradley had instead of shot three over, I know the automatic qualification was done, but maybe selection and justification of captain's picks. If instead of shooting three over, he'd shot three under and finished in third place, it could have been a different selection. Who knows? It might not have been. Regardless, I thought I thought I thought the event was fantastic. I still maintain it would be so much better, especially when you think when the President's Cup is held in the calendar, and when you hear think when the Ryder Cup is held in the calendar, and your top players. I still think that Tour Championship should be match play. I know it's not going to happen. Um, I know you don't agree necessarily, Jay, but I just my two pence on it. I still think it should be um, match play. No, I actually agree that the Tour Championship should be match play, uh, but I also think that the PGA Tour, they're just not, not going to do it for a variety of reasons that I've, that I've already uh, talked about. it. And, and look, the Tour Championship was, was fine. Uh, like I said, it is what it is. Uh, you know, is it the best of event in the world? No. Um, is it the worst event in the world? No. Uh, like I said, it's fine. Uh, do I think it could be better? Absolutely. Uh, you know, the, the funny thing is I actually really like Eastlake. I've played Eastlake in the uh, past. I, I really like the course. Um, and I know for some, some reason Eastlake, uh, gets a, a lot of hate, uh, for some reason. I, I don't really fully understand why, but, uh, hey, this, this is an event they, they need to take to other places. Um, you know, th- this is kind of an indictment on the PGA Tour that all of the playoff events are, are held in these really hot, humid climates in the middle of August. Like, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me when being uh, a Californian. Uh, I know how, how great the weather is on the West Coast this this time of year in August. Um, and it's like, why wouldn't you uh, take the Tour Championship to, say, LACC? Um, I, I think it could uh, very easily switch the U.S. Open to Eastlake and the Tour Championship to, to LACC, and it probably would have, would have made both tournaments better. Um, and just looking at the, the weather in Atlanta uh, in June, it, it's just a little bit better than it is in August, too. But look, there's a lot of things that they, they can do to uh, improve the championship, uh, taking it to some different courses. Um, I mean, honestly, having it at a different time of year probably makes sense a ton of sense, too. Um, I understand that, that they don't want to, uh, go against against football in, in the fall, but it's like, there, there's so many golf fans, uh, around the world that they really don't watch American football. So, you know, I, I do think that the PJ tours caved again to TV, to the ratings, ad- advertisers, all those folks, um, and they really want to maximize it, uh, maximize the ratings at the, at the end of August. Because there isn't a lot of comp competition in the sports calendar, I totally get it. 
uh, and they they moved up the the entire uh, schedule to to accommodate that. Um, and unfortunately, they have all of the playoff <laughs> events in really hot hot climates like Memphis in August is hot as Hades. It might, it might be the hottest place on the planet that time of year. Uh, Lucas Glover will tell tell you that. Um, and then Atlanta's just just as hot in August. And then the BMW they they've had it in the southeast, which is uh, it's been just just as as bad. So could it be better? Yes. Uh, did we get a, a deserving champion? Absolutely. I think Victor Hovland is great. Um, and it's it's funny. As someone that's, that struggled with with my chipping and short game in, in the past, um, his wedge fitting totally resonated with with me. Um, high bounce wedges have saved my short game for the most part. Uh, so if anybody is struggling with short game in general, I highly rec- recommend getting a, a wedge fitting, a short game fitting. Um, it will absolutely help help you. I'm actually uh, using tailor made wedges that that have a high bounce, which which is really really helpful. Uh, so yeah, uh, was it a a good event? It was okay. Uh, but we absolutely uh had a worthy champion. So. Uh, you know, it is what it is. Switching up to the, the, the Ryder Cup, a beautiful little segue that is fit for radio. That's how good this is. The The European contingent had a decent showing on that final leaderboard on Tour Championship Sunday. We had Tommy, we had Rory. Obviously, we had Victor absolutely crushing it out there. But we also had a couple of people just outside the top 10 as well and just hovering around that. We had Matt Fitzpatrick, of course. We had Sepp Stracker in there, Terrell was in there. So from a European standpoint as well as we as we move into Ryder Cup frame of mind, it was a it was a fair showing, wasn't it? You know, especially when you take out other mixed people like Xander who we know what he's like around East Lake. We know how he's playing as well. So fair showing, Ben, from a from a European standpoint? Yeah, I think it's a fair showing. I think while I don't believe the OWGR is an accurate reflection of golf rankings, what I will say is that you can see you got victored John Rahm and Rory in the top f- for three of the top four, which is obviously going to, and I, we did this last week, um, or sorry, the week before. And I still maintain that actually, I think that European top six, top seven is as good as the American top six, top seven. So it'll all come down to how do the other picks play? Um, I've never actually, I can't actually remember a, a Ryder cup where I've gone, Oh, the top six, seven are just, are really all as good as each other. This is, because before you've had, okay, the European teams had a bit of strength in depth with Ryder Cup veterans and almost match play specialists and the American team being great on paper, but lacked a bit of unity, all that sort of stuff. But this time it really looks like six, top six, seven from both teams is really, really is, 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 is one for one. I'm going to defend that JT pick. Look, I think, I do think that Keegan Bradley deserved to go to the Ryder Cup. I actually think he probably deserved to go possibly in front of Sam Burns, or in front, who's a great player, or in front of Ricky, who's a great player. So I think Keegan Bradley should have gone, but I don't hate the JT pick. I hate Keegan being left out, and obviously everyone's going, oh, well, he's been left out for JT. I actually don't think that, for me, if I was the captain, is the real thing. I think actually I would have probably taken JT and Keegan Bradley, and maybe Ricky or Sam Burns would have fallen by the wayside. I'd have also taken Bryson, but hey, no one cares about that. So... Why I say that is that people talking about Lucas Glover. Well, Lucas Glover's never going to get a look in. He's two He's two and three in the President's Cup from 2007. Hasn't played again since. Lucas Glover, hot, rolling a hot putter, really good. Didn't have the best maybe finish and also is outside of that, outside of that group. And then you've got 
Keegan, who's 4-3-0. and uh, Really quick about Lucas Glover. <clears throat> I, I know a lot, a lot of people are talking about how hot of a player he is. Uh, but the thing is, you you can't really make picks based off of that because you don't know how long it's going to last. Uh, you know, he had a couple good uh, good events earlier in the playoffs, and then he kind of cooled off at Eastlake. Uh, it could easily go the other way next week or um, in a month at, at the Ryder Cup. So I don't think he, he was ever uh, a, log- a logical pick. Look, I, I totally get, get people caping for him uh, for the Ryder Cup for a variety of reasons. Because he obviously wanted to play, uh, but I never thought that that was a, a realistic uh, pick. Keegan Bradley, I get the pick. I, he should have been picked. I do maintain that. Is it Ricky or is it Sam to miss out? But JT, now I've played a lot of team sports. People who know me uh, or stand talk to me for long enough. I played a really good standard cricket, high standard cricket. Played a few county second 11 games. And... I really get the value and importance of having teammates you can look next to and go, yeah, that's a guy I want next to me when the shit's going down. And if I look at the 12-man American team, if you said to me, which one person do I want stood next to me on a tee box when 20,000 Europeans are chanting skull, 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 and really getting into the Americans, the one man out of those 12 I want stood next to me is Justin Thomas. Justin Thomas thrives off it. Yeah, I think he thrives off it. He builds off it. He's the guy that I want with me to... He can wear those slings and arrows. It fires him up. He enjoys it. And I think he's a great partner for people to have. A great in the team room. He, he's going to tell you what's coming. He's got that experience and that... And his record's fantastic. 16-5-2. and two. I know he's played badly and terrifyingly, we've all seen the video that got released yesterday where someone took a video of him on the range doing a drill with the um, pool noodles, which is never a good sign. I'm going for some lessons. If the pool noodles come out, I'll be distraught. But like the fact he's going back into that is, isn't a good sign. But if you say to me, who do I want stood there with me? Who, who can stand on that tee with me and make me go, I'm not going to be worried about this. And when the European fans are are giving it loads, which they do, that he's just going to laugh at them and just have a bit of fun with it. And he will put his playing partner at ease. And I think that's a huge, huge thing. Uh, Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I definitely think JT was the right pick. I don't think there's any any question about that. I honestly think, speaking of trolling earlier, I really do do think that Justin Thomas uh, may have been trolling a lot of people with that, that post. Because it obviously worked. Um, and if I wanted to uh, sort of troll and uh, people were kind of down on my game, I'd probably post something where I had a bunch of pool noodles. A bun- I got a bunch, bunch of training aids, uh, kind of like Tin Cup, when he was struggling. Uh, so I'm not ruling that out. That might cer- certainly be a possibility. It might be. But if it isn't. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll have to see. Like, do I think that, you know, he's playing his best? No, uh, but uh, I don't think he's nearly as far off as people think. Like, I, th- I think the reason why he hasn't performed that that well in, in tournaments this past year has really just been some untimely big numbers um, and a match play that that gets nullified a lot of times, especially in four ball, uh, where you want to have these teams where you have a little bit more volatility, like you have players that are able to make more birdies, and you kind of forget about those doubles and triples. Uh, because it doesn't matter as much because you have a partner to pick you up. 
Yeah, he's been that's that's been the problem for him in his golf. If you look at his scoring averages, he's actually been hitting bird, getting scoring birdies, scoring pars, scoring and playing good golf. It's been a a three here and a four there that's that's cost him in a round. Yeah, you know uh, that's kind of where I, where I net out to. Uh, I will say to address your point, um, if I had to pick one player on the U.S. team to sort of lead you when the European teams and the fans are chanting <laughs> chanting against you. Me personally, I'm, I'm taking Brooks Kepka first on this team, <laughs> but I definitely get your point about JT. Now, I think JT and Spieth, I think they're going to get points. Um, and I do think that the U.S. team is going to win. Um, except I, uh, I have to say that the, the main reason why I think the U.S. team is going to win isn't necessarily because of the U.S. team. It's actually because of the European team. And I think there's this, this sort of lack of continuity that people are sort of glossing over. There's a lack of leadership that they've had previously. Um, I've already seen some of the players kind of talk about it a little bit. Rory's even said some, something about how, uh, you know, it's weird seeing, uh, not seeing some of those longtime players, um, in the uh, team room anymore. And you've had this entire generation of players removed. Um, and, you know, I think personally it's really critical to the success of the team performing in the Ryder Cup. I've heard many, many captains talk about this. I've heard many, many players talk about this. Like, I really do think that that matters. Uh, so even though, yes, on paper, the top six of Europe is really, really good, you still need that top six to perform at their very best. And I'm not sure, uh, like, if you look at their, their Ryder Cup record now, like, Matt's Vic pa- Matt Fitzpatrick is a great, great player, but he's 0-5 in the Ryder Cup. So uh, that's a worry if you start to um, – uh, and then – you you kind of have someone like like Rory, where if you take away his partnerships with Sergio and Ian Poulter, his winning percentage is like 30, 35 percent. So, I mean, I really do think that the European team has some flaws um, and it's going to come down to those top guys. Uh, they have to, to play uh, as good as they, they can. If they don't play as good as they can, the European team stands no chance in this Ryder Cup. Um, just, just gonna plant that seed for every, everybody now. Uh, and look, if those top six guys come to play and they play well, I fully expect Europe to win. I just think with all the other stuff around it, with all these other great players removed from the leadership, there's gonna be more pressure on these top guys to perform. I don't think they're gonna perform at their very, very best. Um, and I think that's gonna seep into the rest of the team. And I think that they are gonna probably lose fairly convincingly. I'm thinking something like uh, 16 to 12 or something like that. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd love to see a, a close Ryder Cup on that that last day. That's probably the thing that I'm rooting for more more than anything as a fan. I'm not even rooting for a particular team at this point for a variety of reasons. So, you know, that's that's kind of where I am. Finish, finish. I'd love it to come down. It so rarely does. You just love it to come down to that last singles match, wouldn't you? Especially on a, a course like Marco Simone as well, like those those last three holes, drivable par four, par three, massive risk reward, par five at the end. Like the the storylines that could be built up through that if it if it's if it if it does truly come down to the last thing that we all want is it to come down to a, a four and three, you know, two or three times across the ball. Like no one's no one's there for that one, and and. Back to that point about JT, it's sort of the same argument for Lowry for me. If you look at his Ryder Cup record, not amazing. But 
I was thinking about this over the week. It's almost this. I don't know if you're a soccer guy, Jay, but like 1996. Like it's a while ago. I know you're too young for that. But 96, Euro 96, you know, England doesn't take Shearer or it does take Shearer. Shearer's in bad form, playing for Blackburn, not putting anything in the net. He's still the talisman and he blazes through some form immediately. Almost the second he gets there in, 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 in into Europe, European football, he's back to being the person that you want in the dressing room. And it, it does make me wonder, as you said, Ben, is that JT? But the reason I say all of that is because I do want I want to pick up on that Shane Lowry thing. You know, we've we've had a massive omission of Moronk. We we saw the presser today with him where he said he felt, you know, he was he was he was pissed, let's be honest, wasn't he? Um we've had Ludwig uh Airbag in there, which I, I do get that. I get it. Um and for me, I've I've been pondering it the last few days. It's 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 certainly been put out there in the press that it was Aberg or Moronk. You know, is that right? Or sh- is it someone, you know, is it Lowry or Moronk? Is that, is, should we be thinking a little bit more like that? But then again, is, are we looking for talismans? Are we trying to replace a little bit of lost experience? Are we looking for someone that we know can blaze when they need to blaze? So uh, what's your take on that, guys? Before anyone gives a take, I'm just going to read this out. Moronk won the Italian Open this year at Marco Simone. And didn't beat a weak field. There were some really good players in there. That wasn't one of your typical DP World Tour. No one turns up. A few of the Americans came over. A few of the big Europeans came over. Proper event won it at the Ryder Cup venue. He won the Australian Open, beating some bloke you might have heard of him called Cam Smith. Won the Irish Open in July 2022. Some great players there. Top 25 finish in the Open Championship this year. 17th at the World Match Play. Third in the DP Tour World Rankings behind only Rory and John Rahm. And fifth on the European Ryder Cup points list. It It's inconceivable he wasn't picked. Absolutely inconceivable. Unbelievable. Yeah, not only that, but he finished second uh, at Marco Simone just two years ago too, in addition to the win. Uh, the uh, Italian Open. So it wasn't like this was was one odd perf- uh, performance there. He's had multiple events where he's played well. So obviously it was a course fit. And especially when you consider that, like the redesign of the course, the, the first test of it was the Italian Open in what, 2019? And two out of three, he's delivered, as you say. And and, and, and it's... the the. the the benefit that we know the Europeans have got and the reason that they, if, if they do play well, as you said earlier on, if they play well, the course setup, as we know, is going to go in their favour. You've got someone like Eduardo Molinari that's really, really becoming the stats guy in the world of golf. We know that. And, you know, everything is set up for this European team. And it does, when you, when you put it in those terms, it seems wild that they've left someone that's delivered two out of three times on a course that is designed for this single one competition it, and it's and it's it's yeah when you frame it like that it's it is wild yeah you know it isn't totally unsurprising though uh like i said for a while i think the, the fix was definitely in to get led Ludwig in uh for a while uh but i do think that the most controversial pick was probably nick nikolai horgard to be honest um, I think that uh he made the least amount of sense uh look lowry i guess that he's uh i 
totally get that he's, that he's not necessarily completely in form, uh, but it's like you do have such a lack of leadership on that team because guys like Sergio and Poulter and Westwood and Stenson and Casey, like I could go down the list. There's so many people that have been Ryder Cup stalwarts uh, over the last 20 years that just aren't there. Like whether they're playing or they're, they're vice captains. Um, and I still maintain that's going to be the reason why they lose. Uh, but you know, I, I do think that they have, uh, they need to uh, fortify the uh, team a little bit on the leadership part, which, which is why I know that you guys were, uh, kind of going for maybe Padre, uh, Harrington as a potential pick. Uh, but I'm actually shocked that uh, Padre is not a vice captain. Um, I was going down the list of vice captains and I was like, wait a minute. Like, I, I get that, that you want to have the Molinari brothers because it's in Italy, but like, why do you need, need to ha- have them as, uh, vice captains? <laughs> like, it doesn't really make a, a ton of sense to me. Eduardo doesn't have a, a ton of history in the Ryder Cup. Like, I get that he played in 2010 and, and, you know, uh, Francesco, you know, had the good run with, uh, Fleetwood in 2018, but those guys don't necessarily need to be vice captains. Uh, like you could bring in someone else that has more of a, uh, a history. And, and look, I, I get that the live players are uh, currently sort of in limbo, but but they're all pr- pretty much still banned for all intents and purposes from the the uh, European tour, and the Ryder Cup is in- included in that. Uh, so I do think that you had to pick Lowry. Uh, they didn't have any other real choice. Um, and Ho- uh, Horgard was a su- surprise to me. I definitely think that one kind of hit me a little bit out of left field. And uh, Moronk was probably the better pick. I don't know how much stock people want to put in it, but there does feel an element of they've also made sure by picking Horgard and Eiberg that they're picking two guys who have got potentially great futures in the game and they want to keep them away from maybe potentially going to live by including them in this. I'm not saying that's what's happening. It just does feel like a real big coincidence that the one that's got the snub is someone who might not be as, as they believe it, brand brandable. But obviously Shane Lowry's got the brand, major champion, Aberg and um, Hoygaard are both young lads coming through. Can we be faithful to them? Will they be faithful to us? Whether that's right or wrong, what makes me sad is it's even a bloody conversation, that it's even a consideration that people are making and people are saying, and I won't, we, you know, Jake, so I told you who it was, but when one of the biggest journalists out there reaches out and says, what are my thoughts on something to do with it? And they were worried or of the opinion that that might have been a consideration, you think, do you know what? It it it, it could be. It's it's sort of a it's 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 shocking. It's not good that that sort of setup exists. But is like we shouldn't really be surprised by it. You know, if you think about it, we've talked about it before. You think about any company, any corporation, any organization. If you've got young talent in there, you look after them. You know, Tiger flew to his first professional event on a private jet. We, we know that, the Nike story, we know that. It's, it, is this, if Liv didn't exist, would we still be as frustrated by this? Or is it 
is the, is the divisiveness and the fractured nature of the golf right now does it add into this and and is that is that where we're a little bit more annoyed by it all oh 100 percent. I, th- I think that all of this stuff is connected in some way um i think that the division uh you know the last 18 months uh 12 to 8 18 months is totally impacting people's view of the Ryder cup I mean, just, just look at the uh, fact that the European tour has completely banned some of their greatest winners and contributors from all time from even participating in it. Like, I think, um, a lot of this res- uh, resentment, and that's part of the reason why I've been, been saying I felt like the framework agreement needs to go through, right? Because I personally have felt like I've been, um, in wartime. I've been, I've been in the battlefield for the last 18 months. Um, I'm exhausted. I don't want to deal with this anymore. Like I really don't. I really want to get to the point where we're moving in, in lockstep a little bit more uh, with the sort of unified golf uh, golf world, where we've got these these three entities and tours: the PJ Tour, the DP World Tour, and Live. Um, and we've got to start opening doors here, like ASAP. And we've got to get rid of some of these bands to start healing the division. Because honestly, the fans I've seen take a lot of that frustration, and I've seen this on social media for over a year. We uh, we really do need to to get to the point, and this is also part of the reason why I blame the PJ Tour for a lot of this, and part of the reason why I'm so down on the PJ Tour. Like this isn't in a vacuum. It's because they have fanned the flames of this over the past year and a half in order to protect protect their own interests. And they have not really come out and said, oh, we apologize for basically calling the live players terrorists. Like we need to move on. We apologize for, for putting the live players in this situation. We apologize for putting our own PGA tour players in these positions where they, they've had to make some, some really tough choices. Um, if the PGA tour had handled this better from the beginning and the PGA tour leadership and mouthpieces that have been talking for the PGA tour, had handled this differently, we would not be in the situation that we're in right now. And it's something that everybody needs to let sink in. And that's something that we really need to think about moving forward. And it's part of the reason why I want the leadership of the PJ Tour to be completely removed is because I think that that action alone is going to start some of that healing by having somebody new come in and say, you know what? Yes, that was the past leadership. Uh, this is the current leadership. We're moving forward. Uh, this partnership is really important part uh, of global golf. It's really important to us to move the entire sport forward. So that's what I've been rooting for this whole time. You know, we'll have to see how this this plays out, but I definitely think that that seeped into the Ryder Cup, um, and I think that's why people are so upset about it because uh, they're they're upset about some of these picks. Be- because, you know, it does really seem like there is a little bit of a club and you're either inside the club or you're outside the club. Yeah, I hear that. Well, one thing I'm relieved to to not see is, you know, if 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 you were to look at the way that Luke Donald framed Ludwig Eberg, you know, generational talent. I, I get it. I get why he's on the team. You know, if you are a, if you are a ballsy, what is he, 20 odd year old, 23, if you're a ballsy 23 year old, You've got no bad experiences. You've got no bad memories. You've got the confidence of, of being picked for a Ryder Cup team three months after turning pro. Um, you almost want someone like that. You want someone with the, the, the gutsiness to do that. And what I've not seen, which I'm really grateful for, and I don't know if you guys have seen it, 
um, is that I've seen no hate for Aberg on this, which I think is a really strong, almost a strong, I suppose, just a signal of how the golf world might feel about the potential that that player's got, but also the fact that maybe we're starting to see, as we've seen this with, with, with again, with soccer and so many other teams, but as you said, Jay, Europe's got rid of Poulter and Casey and Westwood and there's no Sergio and there's no Henrik. This is, this is a lot of youth that is going to set the scene for the next 15, 20 years. Um, so I'm very grateful that Aberg's not come under fire for that because none of this is on him. No, I completely agree with you. Uh, you know, I'll make this, uh, I'll try to make this brief. Um, now I have been sort of hating on Ludwig the past few, few months because I, I do think that the hype has been so crazy and it's been building for a while on him. However, you know, a lot of that animosity that I had about him potentially getting picked, it kind of went out the window because he did win one of my favorite European tour events. And that's the Omega Europe, European Masters in Switzerland last week. Um, and he beat a pretty strong field, uh, for the European tour. Um, and I do think Fitzpatrick kind of gifted him the win, but that's another story. Uh, but I also think that the people need to, like, I, I do think that he is a, a potential superstar. I don't think that he's currently a superstar yet. Uh, do I think that, uh, would I like to see somebody a little bit more proven on the, the Ryder Cup team? Absolutely. Um, like, I, I do think that there probably needs to be some rule that says, you have to be a pro for at least a year before you get picked for one of these teams because it's just so unfair to some of these guys that have been grinding away on the tour for, you know, uh, many years. And this might be their only chance to make, make the uh, team, uh, like Moronk, who has been kind of a, a world beater in a lot of ways the uh, past couple of years. So, you know, I don't have a lot of hate for the, uh, the Ludwig pick. I think people realize his talent. Uh, so we'll have to see if that actually pans out because there are a lot of really talented players that haven't panned out over the years. Um, except the indications are that he's uh, going to be a very good player, I think. Uh, and we'll have to see if he fulfills that, that potential because I really don't like how people are sort of penciling him in to be a top 10 player right now because that's a little bit premature. Uh, but I do think that he's, he's a very talented player and I understand why he got, got the pick, even though I don't agree with it. I think he's received no criticism or no hate because quite rightly, he's not part of the golf landscape. Everything that's gone on for the time before, he's kind of free from. And again, a lot of the JT stuff, that was because he's part of it and he's been quite loud about different things. So again, I defend the JT pick. I would have picked him myself. I think it's the right pick. Um, I think Keegan being left behind was wrong. I also think that Moronk being left behind was wrong and people seem more bothered about Moronk. And I think also that with the Moronk pick, you could argue who shouldn't go. Should it be Lowry? Should it be Albert Aberg? Should it be Hoygaard? So it's kind of three different thoughts on who might not go. Whereas for many it was, they went, oh, it's JT instead of Keegan Bradley. When I actually think he scratched his surface, it probably was ricky or sam in front of keegan bradley but hey it's more of it feels more jarring and the european lot dropping of dropping it's a terrible phrase not picking of moronk feels more spread across three players and also i think is you're right jay aber getting that win 
I'll disagree. I don't think it's a strong field. There's one player in the top 50, which is Matt Fitzpatrick. I don't think it's a strong field. I think it's a terribly weak field. As many DP World Tour events, terribly weak fields. I just want to point out that sometimes I think that people make decisions that baffle me. Maronk is obviously hurt. He's obviously gutted. Why have they put him in a feature group with Rory where everyone's going to be looking at him next week at the Irish Open, this week at the Irish Open? Like, give, just let, let the guy hide away. Let him get on with his golf. He, he's hurt. He's gutted. But no, I'll tell you what, he, he's had the biggest shunning of his professional career. He may never mentally recover from this moment in some ways because it's going to scar him if he doesn't get in the Ryder Cup in the future. And let's let's rub some salt on the wound and make sure every single person watches him as the world's media follows Rory around. That's not Rory's fault, obviously. Just leave it. I just don't get it. It's ridiculous. It's a bad decision. And also, the Irish Open, for me has become a very weird event where it sits in the calendar and the, and the, and the, the field. So, so he, he's in a group with um, Billy Ho and Rory. And like, I just think, leave the, leave the bloke alone, let him hide away. Yeah, I think that this is a really interesting group because, you know, the conspiracy theorists out there, um, and please put put me in that that group, uh, <laughs> it looks like they're obviously trying to get uh, Rory and Billy Ho to talk to Adrian Moronk about uh, playing the PGA Tour next year instead of going to live. I think that that's part of the thinking. Um, I think that, that Rory tried to do the same thing with uh, Cam Smith last year right after the Open they talked for a while and Rory wasn't really trying to talk him out of it. Uh, but it, w- it was more to uh, talk about the uh, good things about the uh, PJ tour and kind of be the uh, pitch man, you know, but it like it at this point, if players are still listening to, to Rory McElroy and that's um, impacting their decision in any way, um, I just can't help you anymore, guys. I just can't uh, like Rory's been on the wrong side. So many, so many times over the past year, uh, at some point, these guys just have to make your own decisions. They, uh, they could even put Tiger in this group too. I don't think it matters. I think Adrian Moronk is his own man. Um, I think that he's going to do what he thinks is best for him, um, and his family and, and his career. Uh, to me, that, that answer is obvious. I think that the, uh, cliques, cliques GC are going to have maybe a spot or two open next year. The sort of continental Europe's, uh, team on, on live. Um, Adrian Moronk is obviously originally from Poland. Makes a ton of sense to me. Increases the uh, brand awareness of live in that, that particular part of the world. We'll have to see how that actually plays out. Uh, uh, but I will say I, I really like the Irish Open going, going back to the, the event. I haven't really liked the, the venues where it's been played. I know it's at the uh, K Club th- this year. Then I, I, I know it's hosted the Ryder Cup, uh, previously. Um, I know that a lot of, um, Irish opens have, uh, taken place at the, the, uh, that K club and I get it, but it's kind of an, um, an Americanized Irish course, which kind of blows my mind because of all these great Irish links courses that they have. Um, and thank goodness it is going to, to one of those Irish links courses next year. It's going to Royal County down in Ireland, which I've heard is one of the top, I don't know, five courses maybe in the world. Um, I haven't been there. I haven't played it. I've maybe seen it a little bit on, on YouTube, uh, uh, but, it, but I think that, uh, of course, is very, very worthy of holding one of these events. Um, I would love to see them continuing on the Lynx thing, uh, but it does look, look like K-Club. It's probably going to be hosting every other year for the next uh, probably four years. So in two years, 
Um, and then in another four years is going back to the K club. Uh, so at least they're trying to get some links golfing, uh, in there. Uh, except I'd love to see this part of the calendar be entirely links golf centered. Uh, like you can have the Scottish open, you can have the Irish open, you can have the open championship. Uh, the RNA could run another championship. I actually floated this idea on Twitter that, that why doesn't the RNA run an, another professional event? Instead of calling it the open, they could call it the invitational. Uh, that, you know, you, you pull the top 50 to 70 players that play on live and, uh, the European tour and the PJ tour, uh, hosted one of those traditional links courses. That's maybe falling out of the open ro- rotation or is never going to get in there. Uh, like I think that would be a really great idea and a really great event that would be really, really popular. So I really do like the Irish Open. Um, I think it's a, a great event. Um, and this is sort of where I think the DP World Tour needs to lean into their schedule a little bit more because they do have some, some really good events this uh, part of the, the year. Like they've got the BMW PGA at Wentworth coming up. Um, in the UK, they've got the Irish Open. They just had the Omega European Masters. I think they've got the French Open right, right before the Ryder Cup. So I really do think that this is a really strong part of the schedule. It's probably their strongest part of their schedule. Um, uh, and I like this, this time of year for it. So we'll, we'll have to see how, how the calendar, uh, pans out the next few years. It's going to be interesting to see just, if the framework goes ahead and, and, and we all do find ourselves working a little bit more closely in a more open environment where the whole scheduling really does land. So I'm looking forward to 2025. We know that we're going to see a lot of movement next year, but 2025 is when it will all really start to shake out. So yeah, exciting times and, and, and great points, Jay, as always. We are going to stick a pin in it right there. This is, of course... Golf Lovers United. If you do want to get involved, if you enjoy the show, if you absolutely hate the show, you can hit us up on Twitter at GLU Golf Club and you can tell your friends not to listen at glugc.com. But I know the majority of you who are listening right now absolutely adore what we do and we really, really appreciate your support in these early and opening episodes. So you can tell everyone to join in on their podcast app of choice or once again at glugc.com. If you've not checked out the fantastic interview with Golf Channel legend and live commentator extraordinaire Jerry Foltz, you can do so in your podcast app right now. Just when you finish listening to this one, go and click the Jerry Foltz link right there underneath. Ben, always a pleasure, my friend. See you next week. Thank you so much. Always fun. And Jay, always insightful. Good to see you, my friend. Same. Always great talking to you guys and uh, looking forward to the next few weeks. And you, the ever-present listener, thank you so very much. We'll see you. Thank you for all of your support. Remember, GLU Golf Club on Twitter for all discussion and feedback. Until the next time, enjoy your golf. Stay safe. Bye-bye for now.